Hello and welcome to Chumps and Champs, the show that examines the highs and lows of notable media franchises. I'm your host, Britton Roselle, and I'm joined today with my good friends and fellow podcast pioneers, Andrew Paul and Logan Lilly. How are you guys? Snazzy. <laughs> I was gonna say snazzy, Logan. Gosh darn it. Ugh. Andrew, were you going to say snazzy? You was... have to tell the truth. I was, yeah. okay, you're right. I'm Were you lying? No lying here, please. This is a no lie zone. I actually yeah, had can't. no idea. We can't be lying to each other. All I do is lie. Eat hot chip and charge your phone. Coming off the mild success of It Won't Turn Off, we're back with a new podcast format and a new direction for 2020 and beyond, rudely interrupted by life things and the global pandemic that has made everyone a podcaster. I'm ready to discuss the highs and lows, the chumps and champs of media franchises from the past 40 years. We're prepared, unlike the advice you've received from your coworker via post-meeting Zoom call to throw shade at your boss, to not skip the bad episodes or seasons as we dive into the heart of each series we select. Today, we'll be discussing two episodes of The Twilight Zone, the original run with Eye of the Beholder and Sounds and Silences. Is it si- Sounds and Silences? Sounds of it. Silence. No, it was not Sounds of Silence. It I sounds and God. The, it was called The Sound of Silence, and then they got sued. These are the highest and lowest rated episodes of the show, as determined by IMDb. You want to So for some background, Rod Serling's The Twilight Zone is the iconic American anthology series, created in the late 50s and lasting until 1964 with over 150 episodes. The first iteration of The Twilight Zone affected viewers nationwide, showcasing cautionary tales and proverbs through often twisted means. The Twilight Zone, at its core, was a vehicle for social and political commentary in a time when that wasn't particularly prevalent in media. The series capitalized on the sci-fi and horror trends of the 50s and still remains relevant to this day through callbacks and references in other media as well as several revivals in the 80s 2000s and most recently on cbs all access with jordan peele and has had enough success to generate multiple spin-offs and films so let's get started i just realized we've had two cbs all access connections we have um, um we i thought it as i was saying it no, we're definitely not sponsored by CBS All Access, but Star Trek The Lower Decks is now streaming. <laughs> I, I have finally started getting ads for that. The cookies in real life that you caused by mentioning yeah, it I'm last sorry. week has forced it. Hulu to now advertise that to me beyond all belief. And yeah, every ad break I have is Star Trek The Lower Decks available now on CBS All Access. Get it while it's funky fresh. So what are your guys' experience with The Twilight Zone? Do you love it? Do you hate it? What are your favorite episodes? Are we talking about any of your favorite episodes tonight? Sci-Fi Channel always does a big marathon on, I think, New Year's. Mm-hmm. And I'd always watch Twilight Zone. And lately, I would go onto Sci-Fi, start the show, realize how stupid it was to watch it on Sci-Fi Channel, and then watch right. it on Netflix. I really like Twilight Zone. I like it more because it's a cool black and white thing with old stuff and old stuff, exaggerated old dialogue stuff. Call me old stuff. And I like, I like aliens, y'all. The weird thing is for me, 
Like, you know, a lot of times, especially older shows like the original run of the Twilight Zone, there's almost like a nostalgic connection. Like, oh, I used to always watch it with my dad or, you know, my my when I was sick from school 30 times in high. Yeah, my uncle really liked Sanford and Son. Um, (laughs) And that's why I watch it. Like, I I loved Empty Nests. (laughs) Empty Nests. Perfect Strangers. Huge fan. Um, (laughs) But... Um, I really don't have that connection with the Twilight Zone, so I don't really know. I- I'm assuming it's probably similar to Andrew watching it like on the New Year's Eve marathon that they do to begin with. A- and then I think as I just got older, it was kind of, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of shows with twists. Um, the originality of the original series have become iconic. So I think there's mm-hmm. almost kind of that connection that it's like, I feel like it's just a part of pop culture americana anyway yeah. i think it's safe to say that so twilight zone might be one of the first like the first thing with like a fandom to exist on television right it was yeah. the serialized show it was something that people were tuning into every week and obviously you had other programs like that too but this was one that wasn't just a sci-fi serial. Like this was telling a story that was relevant to people at the time right. through the lens of, you know, aliens or robots. Well, mostly aliens, but sometimes <laughs> robots. Yeah. Robot alien ghosts. Yeah. yeah ghosts, um, <laughs> robot alien ghosts from the future. So so I think it's just like I I I do love the Twilight Zone. I mean, I guess the original run, the 80s run was kind of garbage the new the cbs all access um our our unofficial sponsor <laughs> cbs all access our um, official sponsor is patreon not patreon yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i watched the first uh season and i liked it it's not as good as you know i, I guess when i watched the original series that's where you get kind of the nostalgic element despite the fact that i was watching it in syndication or you know on netflix or hulu yeah Um, but i do like it i mean a lot of people shit on it for being political and i was like did you ever watch the twilight i mean it's like when we talked about star trek like it's like that's kind of like the whole whole it's whole jam yeah it was it was was a a palatable way to introduce politics to television right yeah but no, so I I love the Twilight Zone, and for some strange reason, I have a lot of episodes' names memorized, and I don't know why that's a point of pride for me. I mean, it could come in handy in trivia mm-hmm. when yeah. when when you get to go back to trivia a, a million years from now, a when I'm a tiny now. little alien that lands on another planet, <laughs> and that's I they're doing trivia. trivia there, doing yeah. trivia in the Twilight Zone, Da-da. right? I don't really have a connection to Twilight Zone in any reasonable way. I kind of have a sort of a, a contentious relationship with it because in high school we had to analyze a lot of episodes in creative writing. And I understand why we did it because there are, like you said, Logan, a lot of original plots, especially for late 50s, early 60s. Right. That were super great and super worth, you know, talking about and stuff. But my episode was It's a Good Life. It's the episode in which the kid with like telekinesis and psychokinetic powers terrorizes a town who then feel like they need to like hold him in some sort of reverence so that they don't get got and then they team up to kill him. That one. 
I hated it. Yeah. I hated it so much. I hate that child. He's the a adults frustrating in that child. Si- yeah, he's a really frustrating child. And the adults in that situation are just, they don't act rationally at all. Which, like, when I'm watching something that's sci-fi or something fiction, I sort of want the characters to act in a way that is relatable and human. Mm-hmm. And I can never, I, I can't put myself in the shoes of someone revering a child for anything. They're gross. They eat their own boogers. And I just, I can't. I can't be a part of that. Well, I mean, this child did control reality or something. Or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but he, he I, had, like, you disappear now powers. Yeah, you disappear now because you made me angry. And me on Facebook in 2020. Ooh, see, that was fun. <laughs> Zinger. But, you know, the Twilight Zone is super important, and I definitely respect it, and I admire it, but it's never been something that I go out of my way to watch. I'm going to give your teacher a little bit of credit here, Britton. So if you're Britton's creative writing teacher and you're listening to this, congratulations. I think simply because, like, when you really look at how many episodes Rod Serling, like, wrote, too, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, you know, kudos for acknowledging the creative writing there, but, like, it's funny because I think you would think like, oh, yeah, he's just like the host guy. He just comes in and says a cool line in a cool way. And, and then, then gets done. disappeared in that one episode. I love right. that episode. And it's like, no, the dude also wrote and I think even I think he directed a few episodes, too. Yeah. Uh, and even the ones that he didn't write, a lot of them were like adapted by him for right. screen. It's very important. And... I am glad we're talking about it. I'll get into my favorite episodes probably when we talk about The Champ because that's kind of my argument with it. Is it is one of my favorites, but I wouldn't have necessarily like put money down that this was like the top rated one. It seemed like a really weird pick given right. I mean it's iconic, but I I don't know if I don't know if I would have thought of it being the number one. No, I I honestly I didn't expect it to be. But also about that creative writing class, that's where we watched Smooth Talk, based Ooh. on Where Are You Going, Where Have You Been, the short story, and I got the entire class to watch Marvel Hornets. So like it was <laughs> mostly At the end very of the day, important. It was a win. Yeah, yeah. But the Twilight Zone that episode made me feel angry. Which I guess is fine, because you want fiction to make you feel you something. You were angry like the people in the village like the people, had to deal yeah. with the child. It I'm was just... It's theming. Anyway, let's get in. The worst sounds and silences slash the sound of silence has a 5.8 on IMDb. In it, Roswell G. Flemington is an aggressively shitty man. He's really loud all the time because his mom used to require absolute silence in the house. And it's super annoying to absolutely everyone he knows, including his wife, who eventually walks out on him. Alone, he becomes painfully aware of every other little noise and then tries to stop being affected by it. He's ultimately successful in shutting things out, but he takes it too far and stops himself from being able to hear anything at all. And then he gets put in a mental hospital and dies, presumably. The moral of the story is to listen to other people and to not be the loudest person in the room all the time, I think. I like I think that's what we're supposed to take yes, away from you, it. Yes. It I is... wasn't listening though, so what were what were you saying? <laughs> 
Uh, this came out April 3rd, 1964, and stars John McGiver, Penny Singleton, Billy Benedict, Francis DeSalle, and Michael Fox. It was directed by Richard Donner of Superman 1 and 2 fame, as well as... He also directed The Omen. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. And, I mean, I will say that this episode does look good. Um, I like mm-hmm. the set a lot for both the the office and his home really really cool well kind of lived in spaces that they were able to create richard donner also directed like a lot of episodes that season like season five yeah i'm just looking at it he did at least like five episodes that season yeah which is i mean some pretty good ones considerable yeah he's just a really loud dude and he like repeats himself a lot he says in a manner of speaking he makes a lot of nautical puns because he was like a sea scout which is a aquatic equivalent of a cub scout i guess right i also had to look that up yeah when, yeah yeah the opening narration is <laughs> like a sea scout i'm like um excuse me uh who he's, he's obsessed with japanese naval ships being exploded on record which i didn't know that records of explosions <laughs> and wartime things I, I know that there were obviously like once we got to it there was footage that right. people could find but i didn't know that there were like they were cutting vinyls of yeah of explosions yeah. a good old 33 of whatever well, Britain, he says what else are you going to listen to with your family you know who was right. who was the person that was just like man this sucks but what if i who recorded was there this? to record it that's my question. This is going to make me town? big bucks. Whose sole job was to record the destruction, like the sounds of destruction of the battlefield? How were you able to do it from a safe distance? I don't have any it, it, You weren't. You were not in a safe distance. But I'm going to say Ron Howard. He oh, went okay. back in time. Yeah. And sure. he was solely responsible for it. I don't think that Mr. Flemington was really that loud. No. Like, he was like, annoying, kind of. but yeah. I don't think he was annoying because of his volume. Like, I've lived with people who are louder than this man right. and make more active noise than he did, even with the record of things exploding. Yeah. Going now, on. now, that is, I would be frustrated by that, but I don't think I'd be <laughs> at the, like, ready to just murder this man level that, like, his coworkers were at. His well, coworkers are plot like actively plotting to murder him. Right. How long has it been going on though? Like that's 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 the question I had the entire time. Like, how how can you hate someone this much? Is he okay? My whole like initial thought was like, oh, okay. So they're gonna like they're gonna murder this man. Like that is gonna be the whole thing. Yeah. I mean they literally say, Wouldn't it be marvelous if he wouldn't died? Wouldn't it be marvelous? <laughs> If his boat fell off the ferry with him in it. Wouldn't that be marvelous? Probably not, because if these people have been here for 10, 5, 4 years respectively, as we learn in their incredible dialogue, where would they go? Where else would they find work? You can't find, you know, like, I'm sure model ship factories aren't everywhere in Insert City here. Well, you'd be surprised, Brighton. Did you know? No, I don't. I don't. I would be surprised. (laughs) I would be very surprised. Yeah. 
I do think some of the writing was good, though, specifically his wife. I've had you up to here. My ears have had you. My stomach lining has had you. Whatever it is that keeps a person balanced has had you, too. In short, I've had you. That was good. I like oh, yeah. that. But, like, you'd have to, she'd have to be like, these are the things I'm going to tell him once I tell him to fuck off. Oh, yeah, she's been practicing. <laughs> yeah, she, she, this is not the first time it's come up. I think what stuck out to me was, I mean, he was annoying, as we've established, and maybe a bit of an overreaction from everybody else on the this guy deserves to be murdered stance. We'll kill him. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think just, like, looking at Twilight Zone as a whole, like, sometimes the ending, it's like a person kind of deservingly gets their comeuppance. Yeah. I don't know if this guy necessarily deserved to, like, never hear sound again. <laughs> And, like, have a complete mental breakdown. Suffers from a case of poetic justice. Yeah, and it's, like, maybe something else. I mean, I guess it's not always that way. I mean, I guess the characters aren't always, like, deserving of their fate. There's plenty of times where, like, pretty normal people just are put in a shitty situation. But it was, like, it felt like it was kind of on purpose. Like, I guess, yeah, you do have the moral that you brought up, Britain. But, like, I, I don't know. I almost felt bad for him a little bit. Even though he was annoying? (laughs) I feel like not being able to, like, talk again would be a more... Fitting. Sort of fitting conclusion. Like, you can hear, you can observe, but you can no longer make shitty nautical puns. Right. Yeah. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that was, like... I don't know. I felt like he could have gotten some mental health help instead of, like... If it had not been 1964... He probably would have gotten mental health. I guess help. he did. Right. That one guy was just yeah. like, just stop hearing. <laughs> if you just stop hearing, just you'll be stop. sad. I will say he, the, the the guy is kind of me because like the tiny sounds like, uh. Oh, yeah. No, I'm the same way. No more. No more clicking. Yeah, it was super yeah. relatable. But at the same time, like he <laughs> goes to lengths that I don't think any normal person would to make noise. Like, he just loves doing it. That is his passion. Right. His passion right. is to be loud. And it doesn't start that bad. In the, the preamble, it's like, is this it? Because he's really not that loud. Right. But then, cut flash cut to his abode, the sounds of missiles flying and the house shaking. And then his wife's like, this is, I. you know what? I'm no more. Shatters record. Did which must have been very cold. To turn off the missile sound, please. She's like, it is 1964. Can you? Can we please put on just like a Beatles record? Like for the love of God, I'm tired of missiles. Love me do is out. I'm tired so. of explosions. They've been to America already. Can we do this, please? For the love of God, anything, please. He's like, no, I, I need my you. explosions. I am absolutely and completely thunderstruck by the fact that you would let want to leave me. Well. You shouldn't be, I feel, <laughs> but... You know I like what? to think that there was a cut of this where instead of, like, boat explosions, she just, like, didn't agree with his love of, like, Buddy Holly or something. And then they're like, <laughs> well, we can't, we can't dunk on Buddy Holly like that. I don't know if his obsession with the Navy really plays into the story at all. Right. Like, it's just another character. It kind of feels really. shoehorned in, yeah. Yeah, he could yeah. just be loud. We also have to dunk on... 
Sea Scouts. So <laughs> Yeah, maybe Rod Serling like tried to get into the Sea Scouts and they told him no and he's like, Well, do I have an episode for you, punks? He's been just holding on to it for a long time. Like he waited till season five and he's like, Now is my time to dunk on him. I've waited long enough. I've held my breath. I've now bit I my tongue. See Rod no more. Sea Scouts. And then the Sea Scouts are like, we're on TV finally. Oh my God. It's our, those damn Boy Scouts are going to get their shit today, boys. <laughs> it's finally our time down here. A war between the Scouts and the Sea Scouts. <laughs> I have to think that's real. I, like, that there's no way be. it would We come be. from below the surface. Yeah, we're from under. <laughs> so I just searched rod sterling sea scouts and the only thing that comes up is this episode so i don't have any official connection between rod sterling and the sea scouts well that's mildly unfortunate but not surprising i feel i like the fiction we've created here so um so anything else on this episode uh logan do you is there another because i thought there was another episode of twilight zone that pertains to sound and its removal Oh, I'm sure there is. Because um, I was thinking this was another there's episode. There's the one where they happened. like they like challenge the guy to like not talk for a year because he was like really talkative. It was like a contest, and then he like did it, and they were like, "Dude, we don't have." It was like a million dollars, which like obviously in like the 50s or 60s. I mean, it's a lot of money now, but it's like money. impossible. And they were like, "We don't have a fucking million dollars," and he was like, "Oh." <laughs> Well, that okay. sucks, but I'm not saying this with my voice because I'm revealing to you that I cut my vocal cords to win this contest, so. What a twist. <laughs> what a twist. He was wearing a scarf the whole time. Um, uh, like the Flash Delirium music video by MGMT. Please go watch that immediately. Maybe? I, I mean, I'm sure there might be other ones specifically related to, like, sound or hearing, but not that's, like, coming to mind right away. Okay, I thought I just thought this was another episode, a different episode. Moving on to the champ, Eye of the Beholder has a 9.3 on IMDb, and right. in it, Janet Tyler is undergoing her 11th elective surgery to look more normal, with her appearance being the one thing between her fitting in with society and being a quote-unquote hideous lump of twisted flesh. The doctor and nurses do their best, but ultimately to no avail. Then we get the reveal that Janet is actually completely normal looking to us and that the doctors and nurses are not. As the leader of their society addresses the people, she tries to leave and is escorted to a slum for people like her where she may have a better chance at living her life. So this episode originally... This episode originally aired in November 1960. It was directed by Douglas Hayes, who also worked on Magnum P.I., McLeod, and a lot of other television programs before the 90s, and it was written by Rod Serling. It stars Maxine Stewart, Donna Douglas, William Gordon, Jennifer Howard, Edson Stroll, George Camus, and Joanna Hayes. There's also a remake of this episode in the 2003 series, and it's basically the same aside from the makeup and the production value. Really, the lesson of this one is that beauty is, in fact, in the eye of the beholder which is probably one of the least impactful messages i could think of right for this episode you know what it's fine maybe it was a different time and that was a message that people just didn't know slash weren't hearing that's true i mean this was literally a time when like open sexism just was like society yeah yeah Yeah. shit was whack yeah there was a lot of bad going on at this time huh the 60s not that fun Let's discuss. 
And now for a dissertation on the 60s, a decade in, of turbulence. The CNN documentary, The 60s. Bom, bom, bom. <laughs> and the picture is just NBC. like the big person. From, oh my uh, God. The decade that made us. Obviously, this was revolutionary and important at the time, but we've come so far from this point that it's right. hard for me to do anything other than like appreciate this episode for what it is. I don't like I don't really like it. <laughs> but like I know that it's important. The fact that it is important and that it did touch on this in the 60s and that it did have that reveal and the way it was shot and everything like it makes sense why there have been multiple attempts to refresh the series and this episode because there are like new opportunities to talk about things and new cautionary tales to tell that can be said about modern society that the original series couldn't have anticipated. And this one to me it just feels like one of those things that like you're literally taught in elementary school. Pig people Right. My reaction to it, I, I, I would say, is like I I was not 100 percent surprised that it was one of the top. But I, as I said at the beginning, like I wouldn't have picked it as number one. Like if somebody asked me, like, what are some of the best Twilight Zone episodes? I would have said I the Beholder. But I think it's kind of like I think it's almost framed in like how we would view Empire Strikes Back today. Like, Empire yeah. Strikes Back isn't defined by the twist anymore. Like, you go in knowing Vader's Luke's dad, pretty much, unless somehow you've avoided the franchise. Right, and I think that does sort of diminish the effect of it, because, I mean, I feel like we've all of us have seen this episode in one way or another. Right. Either the episode itself or through a reference to something right. so going back to it in 2020 it's hard to have that like oh my god they're well, pig people well even yeah. if you didn't like they don't show any of their faces what 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 oh they're gonna look normal like they're gonna yeah. right yeah. right you, I, you can anticipate i think that's what makes it hard now is like probably at the time i mean i guess at that point it was what season was it season two i think two uh, yeah. yeah um so, like, at this point, you got to kind of be used to the fact that it's, the episode's going to end with a twist because that's kind of how most of them end. So, yeah, you probably could see it coming. But then again, how often did people think like that in the 60s? Probably not very often. So I think that is kind of where it was. I guess what I would say is, like, if you had to if I had to pick what I thought it would be and like some of my favorites, like, honestly, I think To Serve Man is a better episode. Oh, it's so fun. It's, I mean, and I think the twist in that one's more fun and maybe more shocking. Because I guess the kind of, the funny thing about Eye of the Beholder is there's not really any consequence, I guess. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, this woman that you would view as conventionally attractive. She's um, ugly. She's ugly on this planet, like this place, like it. Like, it's not like, oh, yeah, and because of that, she's murdered. Like, right. I mean, there's definitely not, an yeah. illusion that It'll people like who look like her. Or, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's nothing like concrete. Like, oh, you're going to get eaten now. <laughs> I, I was expecting the guy when he showed up to like be like, we're busting you out of this joint and then try and save her or something. And then just get killed by the pig people right. or something like dramatic like that. But that didn't happen. She just kind of goes away and we're supposed to assume that she's suffering or whatever it doesn't that... feel like there's a ton of stakes at yeah play well it's like a world government and it they, they don't seem very 
forgiving or uh, <laughs> accepting. Right, but like if that's the world in progress that we're being shown, then it's like this: the stakes aren't like we can't anticipate her breaking out and being fine and leading a revolution or anything. Like if this is how things are in this story, because that's all the information that we have, then like there's really nothing to expect other right. than true. Yeah, she's either going to die or she's not. I think it says something, I guess, to a degree about just, like, the quality of this series as a whole, that it's, like, we could sit here and argue about which episodes are the best, and, like, if we looked at different sources, we probably would find different number ones everywhere, because I think that is just kind of the nature of, especially when you have individually episodic episodes, they're all connected, but you have really good episodes and then you can have some that are really bad, and it doesn't really matter. That's sort of what my problem is with, like, Black Mirror, because it attempts to go for the Twilight Zone level of, like, warning and twisted fates and society, but largely it falls flat because of just how shitty and hopeless most of them are. Right. And, like, Twilight Zone doesn't have that issue a lot of the times, because either there's a silver lining, like in this, she just kind of goes elsewhere or the character deserved it in some way right or or it's alien (laughs) and i think that is the fun thing is there are some episodes that it's i i agree i think the problem with black mirror is it is too bleak like it's too i mean there are some happy episodes of that as well yeah um but with twilight zone there are just some episodes that are like yeah, no, this is a happy one. Like, there's the twist of this is a good thing. Like, the one that comes to my mind, I can't think of the name of it, but it's like this old man dies with his dog, and he's like walking down a road, and he comes to a gate, and the guy's like, Hey, this is heaven. And his dog's like, I fucking hate that guy. Like, I don't like that guy. He's a bad man. <laughs> and this guy, old guy's like, I'm an old, an old country man. I trust my dog. And they keep walking, and then they find out, like, Oh, that was the gate to hell. And the guy went to heaven because his dog was like, I don't like that guy. Shout out to dogs. Shout out to Shout dogs. Out to like that whole episode just like trust your goddamn dog. <laughs> There's the trumpet episode where the guy like gets to play trumpet one more time in his life before Satan steals his soul or something. Yeah. The devil went down to Georgia. The devil went down to Georgia, but this time with a trumpet. Honestly, sicker than a fiddle. <laughs> blow that horn satan let's see how I you do i know that song because of guitar um, hero rest in peace charlie daniels he died this summer he did yeah he um, did die. yeah we don't need to do any more than just that so yeah i, I mean i guess <laughs> it, it's hard to argue because it's not a bad i mean it's a good episode and it's an iconic episode for many reasons but i think right. it is hard knowing what it is going in I guess if I was showing somebody Twilight Zone for the first time, I would show them this episode. Maybe not first. If it was like, oh, you get five episodes to convince me that this show is worthwhile in 2020, it would probably be one of the five. And I mean, and that's the whole point of this show anyway, is like, you see the worst, you see the best, then you decide from there. Right. So I mean, like, while we all had a preconceived understanding of what this episode was and what the twilight zone is i feel like if you are someone who doesn't is i mean it's reasonable to suspect that there are some people who haven't seen this specific episode of the twilight zone right. or may not have 
heard of it or the twist or anything. And if that's the case, then the ending may be shocking and may be affecting. And I think that that's, you know, that's good because it could still have that like shock factor that it did in the 60s today. And I think that's what, you know, makes it an important episode. And I think that's why it's rated as high as it is. I don't know if like on a technical level, I would give this a 9.3 with the things around it with the impact it can have on the viewer with the way it plays with expectation you know i think it it's it's certainly more important of an episode than the sound of silence by simon and garfunkel i'd say so and i think another thing that makes this fun is i mean i guess we don't often look at the writers of each episode when we do this but like the fun thing about this one was Rod Serling did the best and the worst, like or uh, you know wrote or adapted both of yeah. them. Yeah. So it's kind of fun in the sense that it's like he can write really well or he can write just a eh, <laughs> episode. Yeah, I think that may be um, an inspiring note. If right. you're a up and coming screenwriter, you're not always going to have Eye of the Beholders. Sometimes you're going to have Sound of Silence, and that's okay. Sounds of silences. Sounds and silences. <laughs> so bad. I also, I think part of the reason why I attach to like the titles of episodes sometimes is sometimes they're like so. Like the titles of the episode are well written. Like I have the beholder. You can fill it. Like obviously, we know why that's what the episode's called. But like going in, <laughs> you're kind of like, okay, that's interesting. Like one of my Waiting favorite for... titles of the entire series is Five Characters in Search of an Exit," and it's and it's a fun episode in and of itself too. It might be also one of the five I would show. I also don't know why I thought that was adapted into a stage show, but I don't think it is. It sounds. I, like I yeah, it does sound like something that I would think have there's been something adapted that it's like stage. five actors in search of a director. Five, five dollar. Five writers uh, in search of a story. Six yeah, characters in search of an author. There's a lot. Mm. <laughs> there's a few of these. Five dollars in search of a foot long. Um, you have to get two. Yeah. Oh, you have to get two now. You have to get two. It's not five dollars. So you have to spend ten dollars for two footlongs. For yes. Yeah, you get two Uh, footlongs for ten. Subway's trash, and I think we should stop pretending it's anything other than. No, you're not wrong. It's 2020. If you're listening to this right now, and you are like, my favorite place to go is Subway. Now there are worse places to eat, but oh, absolutely. If you're like, I love, I love chowing down on a sub. Look at your local um, sub shop because you probably have one or one close by or Jersey Mike's even or or Jersey Mike's. I will not give Jimmy John's my business. Yeah, because no, they don't they don't toast their bread. Yes, Britain. Thank you. <laughs> toast my freaking sub. I'm not paying I you. You're going to talk about like the stuff that they did. But no, Oh no, that's that's problematic, too. They don't toast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> And, like, just toast my sub. Like, that's what I want. I want it toasted. I don't want it cold. Unless I'm, unless I'm going on, like, a picnic. <laughs> well, no, because then you just t- you toast the bread, and then you keep the innards in a separate thing. Uh, yeah, or you wrap you the go. innards. Yeah. Well, story, there are ways. Fi- find, a, find a better sub shop. The best sub is in the eye of the beholder. Final thoughts and deliberations. <laughs> I think Twilight Zone is important. 
but I don't know if I love it. There's there's hills and valleys, bridges and leaps between some of these episodes in terms of quality. And I'm sure if I were to do the thing that our podcast is about and continue to watch episodes of The Twilight Zone, I would find ones that I enjoy greatly. I think my approach to it is, like, do I want to watch more Twilight Zone? Yes, I actually might start a trial for cbs all access so i can uh... well if you start a trial for cbs all access be sure to use the code chumps champs to get 10 percent off your first month subscription we don't have that do we we don't have that, okay no i would don't I do would. that but if it works let us know <laughs> if it works let us know and ask them where that money is going to um, we get to sue someone i also am kind of curious to like look at twilight zone with maybe more of a critical eye Especially mm-hmm. at when it comes to... Because anytime you watch anything kind of from that era of television, there's going to be a lot of stuff where you're like, wow, that's actually pretty shitty in 2020. Like, I don't yeah. think I can can watch this now. Bart. So I'm kind of interested to rewatch with that lens more in mind. For sure. There's got to be some questions. There has to be. In Sounds and Silences, I don't even think the main character uses his wife's name ever. He just calls her like madam. He says females. Or woman or female. Yeah. And that's female. that's not that's not neat. That's not wild. <laughs> to, to say females. That's not kosher. Um, I know. <laughs> that watch, watch it fans or don't. are very passionate <laughs> about Twilight. I watch it or don't, I think is yeah, that's the takeaway. That's um, the Chumps and Champs motto, everyone. Watch it or or don't. don't. That's really good. Let's put that on a merch item. Put it on a merch item. I would love to hear thoughts from anyone regarding these two episodes on our Twitter and Facebook. Chumps Champs on both. Use the hashtag Chumps Champs. I check it sometimes. Um, (laughs) So maybe I'll see it. I want to hear what people would pick for their best and worst. Because I don't think my best and worst would be the same. Yeah, definitely at the very least, what are your least and most favorite episodes of The Twilight Zone? Because I, I do agree with you. I think there are probably going to be lots of different answers for that. Absolutely. There's only 150 plus episodes to choose from. So thank you guys for joining me for this episode about The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Um, part of, I guess, sci-fi summer. And then we'll do a fantasy fall. Ooh. Fantasy football fall. And a silly spring. <laughs> a sultry spring. Seductive <laughs> spring. Seductive we spring. Only do, all, we only um, do uh, Like operas. One Tree Hill. Like it's, oh, my yeah, God. It's one Tree that Hill. Sounds great. I like this. I like this idea. I think we should just make this a segment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this this week on from our Google newsstand. Well, I have a story from Cinema Blend that says Twilight Stephanie Meyer couldn't make more changes to the story with Midnight what? Sun. FBI issues warning over Windows Seven end of life. What does that oh, mean, no. everyone? You decide. <laughs>
Could Harley Quinn season three be announced at DC Fan Dr- French Bulldog that eats Fans like a human so. is making people smile. Is the Great British Baking Show fake? The teens Fans have come for Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> Not the teens. McDonald's face mask found inside Aldershot store's chicken nugget. <laughs> there you go. Logan wins. Logan wins. What a surprise! Thank you, Google Newsstand. <laughs> Tune in next time when we find out, did Jason Momoa surprise Lisa Bonet by restoring her old Mustang? He might have. That one's actually from CNN, so I'm going to say that he did.